Good morning, church. I know that was all peaceful coming out of prayer and everything, but I need you to be awake for the sermon, okay? Thank you, Mike, for playing, and thanks for the wonderful pictures uh, during the offertory with all the snow and beauty in God's creation. Uh, and uh, thank you, Pablo and Pastor Pablo and Pastor Aaron, for that children's story with the cupcakes. Um, I'm a little bummed I didn't get one, but, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. But uh, you know how the kids gave out some good things, right? Some, some goodness. Uh, I, I want to encourage you, uh, you know, we've got this thing called Thrive coming up. And we'd love as many of you to participate as possible. But we would also like for you to reach out to those you know who may not be part of our church family to come join us and participate in these classes. We can get to know them and build relationships and so forth. One of the greatest ways to build relationships is through suffering. And uh, so I would invite you to come to the CrossFit class on Wednesday night. <laughs> Commiserate together. No, it's called CrossFit Light. So, you know, it's very light and gentle. You hardly sweat, you know, just nothing at all. I was telling uh, Pastor Olin Ritchie, uh, who it's an honor to have with us today. I don't know where he, where he took off to, but um, where is he? There he is, over there. Good to, good to have him with us this morning. Uh, he, uh, he was talking about that hip pain, you know. I said, wait till you're after 50. You know, then it's like every night you kind of roll over and you feel that, that hip pain. But uh, God's just preparing you for what's to come, just in a gracious way. Uh, so we invite you to take these flyers and give them out to your friends, give them out to your neighbors, give them out to coworkers, and come out and, and uh, learn together with us in all these different great classes that we have in art and gardening, computers and CPR and so forth, uh, lots, of good, lots of good stuff. And also, just so you know, there's no confusion, we have this in your bulletin this week because the offering is next week. And we want you to have some time to look over it and be aware so that you don't just get it next week and go, oh, I wish I would have known earlier, but we've done that for you, Okay. Uh, just a, a couple other things. Before I get into the message, you're like, come on, Pastor. It's our, oh, my goodness, it's already that time. All right. Um, just want to say I will never use this pulpit for, for political reasons, okay? We'll never talk politics up here. I will say that I feel very blessed to live in America, that I feel very blessed that we have a process in which we can have a peaceful transference of power, and we can pray for our leaders, and so I, I encourage you, as we have a new administration and things changing in, in Washington, that we continue to pray for our government and for the leaders of this country. And uh, may God's kingdom come and his will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day that I like to listen to just kind of to stay on top of some of the things in politics. And they were saying, they were asking, what's the single best form of government? What do you think it is? They were, they were kind of debating this and talking about it. And I love what one person said. He says, definitely the single best form of government is a benevolent dictatorship. A benevolent dictatorship. A king who has the best interest of his people at heart, who rules them justly and fairly, but with absolute power. Sounds like the gospel of Jesus Christ to me. Sounds like the kingdom of God. Isn't it awesome that we can live under his reign today? No matter who is reigning in the country or the world, we can live with the kingdom of God reigning in our hearts and the goodness of God. And we know, we know the Bible tells us that someday the ultimate ruler and governor of all the world will put things back to right with justice and fairness and equity. So I look forward to that day. Well, today, uh, I'm talking about always traveling and never arriving. You ever feel that way? That you're always traveling and just never seem to arrive. 
always going, but never seem to get where I'm wanting to go. When do you arrive? Well, I want to suggest that we have the opportunity to not just be traveling each and every day of our lives, but to actually arrive in a very significant and in specific ways. In the book, The Wounded Healer, Henry Nouwen retells a tale from ancient India. Four royal brothers decided each to master a special ability. Time went by, and the brothers met to reveal what they had learned. The first brother said, I've mastered science by which I can take but a bone of some creature and create the flesh that goes with it. The second brother said, I know how to grow that creature's skin and hair if there's flesh on its bones. The third said, I'm able to create its limbs if I have the flesh, the skin, and the hair. And finally, the fourth said, I know how to give life to that creature if its form is complete. Thereupon, the brothers went into the jungle to find a bone so they could demonstrate their specialties. As fate would have it, the bone they found was a lion's. You're starting to get there, aren't you? (laughs) One added flesh to the bone. The second grew hide and hair, and the third completed it with matching limbs. And the fourth gave the lion life. Shaking its mane, the ferocious beast arose and jumped on his creators. He killed them all and vanished contentedly into the jungle. I believe it's possible in our always traveling and maybe never arriving drivenness and constant going that we can actually create and do things that end up maybe devouring us and maybe even those around us without us even being aware. When do you arrive? Always traveling, never arriving. I want to start by suggesting Jesus says a statement in his Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 6, 21 that might get us going in this direction. He said these words that you may be very familiar with. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Or as the message translation says it, it's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. He goes on in chapter 6, reading again from the message. He had been talking about the things of the day and temporary things and things that fade away and not to get consumed with those. He says, people who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Do you get the sense that Jesus knows how to arrive and not just keep traveling? He knows something about that. Listen to these words I love from uh, New Testament uh, and biblical scholar and historian N.T. Wright. He says, heaven here is where God is right now. And where, if you learn to love and serve God right now, you will have treasure in the present, not just in the future. Did you hear that, church? 
Listen to this. I'm going to read it again. This is, this is heavy. Heaven here is where God is right now and where if you learn to love and serve God right now, you will have treasure in the present, not just in the future. He goes on. He says, he wanted his followers to establish heavenly treasure right now, treasure which they could enjoy in the present as well as the future, treasure that wasn't subject to the problems that face all earthly hordes. How can one do this, he says? Listen to this. Learn to live in the presence of the, of the loving Father. Learn to live in the presence of the loving Father. When you think about the life of Jesus, as I thought about the life of Jesus and was pondering this thought this week, do you ever get the sense that he was always traveling and never arriving? I don't think so. I got the sense that he was always arriving. <laughs> he was always arriving. No matter where he was, no matter who he was with, he was always arriving. It was never go, 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 and never having a sense of, of, of not arriving. He was always arriving because, why? Because as N.T. Wright suggests, he lived in the presence of his loving father. He lived in the presence of his loving, loving Father every minute of his life. And when he was with others, because he was living in the presence of his loving Father, he was present to every person he was with, no matter what the status, no matter the clout, no matter rich or poor, no matter how righteous, quote-unquote, or unrighteous, he was present and he had arrived in that moment. Church, this morning I want to suggest to you that there are a couple ways based out of the gospel, that we can stop just keep traveling and traveling, but actually arrive every single day. Every single day. I look at the life of Jesus and I, I remember the day that he was baptized, as Ma Matthew describes and some of the other gospels describe, that when Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. And do you remember what the voice says? The voice from the heaven says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And what I love about that, that statement is that Jesus had not started his public ministry yet. He had been baptized. He was going to go out in the wilderness and be tempted by, by Satan. Then he was going to begin his public ministry. So even before he did all these great things for God, the Father, the Father said, this is my beloved. It wasn't based on performance. He loved him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And as we as Christians take on life in Christ, we also, Scripture says, become God's beloved. We are his creatures and his beloved. Listen to uh, the introductory to, to Jude, Jude 1 and 2. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are, are the called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. The beloved in God the Father. I want us to really stop this morning, and I want all of us, my hope and my prayer is that every single person here today would really hear that you are the beloved of the Father. You are the beloved of the Father. Would you hear that this morning? Would you receive that this morning? Because in all of our traveling and all of our business and all of our going and all the things that draw us to keep driven and whatever it may be, 
we miss and forget sometimes that I am the beloved of God. And I want to say, too, that I believe every human being is the beloved of God. Every single human being is the beloved of God. Now, not every human being may know it or want to receive it, but I believe every, every human being God has created is his beloved. Just as I believe, and this could be a sermon for another time, I believe every human being is forgiven. I believe God forgives everybody, but not everyone chooses to receive forgiveness. God is good. When? (laughs) And all the time? Hmm. To be the beloved of God. That word in the Greek means to be dear. You are dear to God. It means to be worthy of love. It means to be valued. So when the scripture calls us the beloved of God, can you hear yourself? Can you hear God calling you the one who is dear to him? Can you hear God telling you how worthy of his love you are? Can you hear God telling you how valued you are to him? I know it's hard to hear. I know sometimes growing up, maybe the way that that we were treated or maybe the way we are still treated, it's hard to understand that type of love. But I just pray that the Holy Spirit and his supernatural power will penetrate our hearts this morning. That we would accept and know that we are the beloved of God. The Song of Solomon, that wonderful book in the Bible that, that is probably rated R, <laughs> is there solely to remind us of how much God loves us and how much he wants us to love him. My beloved is mine and I am his. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. That intimate relationship that God wants to have, not just God and people, but father, son, and daughter, beloved, of God, not based on performance, not based on how little sin we have in our life, but solely because we are his creation, solely because we are his sons and daughters. This, this verse in Psalm 127, verse 2, I think speaks to our 21st century so well. It says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. You hear that? You get that sense that as I allow myself to rest in being the beloved of God, there's some peace. There's some peace. That I don't need to work and work and work like a dog or keep pushing myself early in the morning, late at night with anxious toil. Because no matter what happens in this life, nothing will change the fact that I'm his beloved. No matter what happens, no matter what you think of yourself, no matter what people think of you, you think people think of you or people are saying, or no matter what happens to your finances, no matter what happens to your health, it does not change the fact that you are God's beloved. This is what Jesus Christ came to show us, to teach us, and to grow us in. And as we are God's beloved, this is the beauty of the church, that we can gather as the beloved. And we can come and we can worship like we have this morning to worship God, the one who calls us his beloved, the one who loves us. And while we have peace beyond understanding, I think we can also confess that we have love beyond understanding, forgiveness beyond understanding, compassion. We are the beloved. The apostles often wrote 
and called the church the beloved. In 1 John 4, 7, you might remember this verse. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. It's almost hard to just say that without singing it, isn't it? (laughs) Beloved. So when I get up here and call you beloved, you are the beloved of God. Scripture tells us that. Paul writes in Colossians, so as to those who have been chosen of God, holy and, what does it say? Beloved. Beloved. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Goes on and tells us how to live with each other as the beloved. Church, the person sitting next to you is God's beloved. Person sitting behind you, person sitting in front of you. It's important for us as a church to treat each other like the beloved. No one deserves to be treated any less, period. Now I know, you know, for those of us who have grown up in the church, church is a wonderful thing, but the church can also be a painful place sometimes. Sometimes there's criticism. Sometimes there's a judgmental spirit. Sometimes there's a sense of maybe, oh, I've been an Adventist this many generations and this person's just coming in doesn't matter how long you've been in the church, we are all God's beloved. All equal as sons and daughters. I love what Mother Teresa said one time. She said, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. Every single one of us is to be treated as the beloved of God. And as we're gathered as God's beloved, there's also a time when we scatter as God's beloved. We are the body of Christ, the church says. Well, the body of Christ is still the body of Christ when it's scattered, right? Sure, the body is gathered on Sabbath mornings and at other times, but we are also called to be scattered as the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ goes out into the world, we are called, we are called to somehow, through our life and our actions, to show others that they also are the beloved of God. Those I work with, those I go to school with, those that I live with, whatever it might be, we are called to live out our belovedness and to somehow, in our interactions with them, let people know that they are loved by God, that they are God's beloved. See, I want to suggest to you this morning that every single day we have an opportunity to not just keep traveling on the wheel, But every day we can choose to arrive, and I believe if we choose to arrive by basically sitting in the the sound teaching of Scripture that we are God's beloved every single day, is there any greater purpose to man than to know God and to be known by God and to know his love and to live in his love? Is there any greater purpose then of man to know that love and then to also share that love? Because that's what the life of Jesus was all about to know the love of the Father and to share it with the rest of the world that God loves them. We live in a society, and this is so obvious, but we live in a society where we obviously look more at our screens than in our faces, don't we? You know, walking around like this, right? I do the same thing sometimes. I'm not pointing fingers. I, I, I catch myself saying, you know, I should probably look up. <laughs> And I love, you know, in our society, we say, hi, how you doing? You know, those are all the things. But you may have heard this before, but I love this. In, in a certain area of Africa, the word they use for hi means I see you. So they don't just say hi, how you doing? 
What they do, and, and I'm going to butcher this, but I think it's sabana, means I see you. So when, someone, when they say hi to you, they're saying, I see you. I see you. And then the response back is this other word that says, I'm here. It's like, I've been seen. I acknowledge that you've seen me. And, and doesn't, doesn't it feel great to be seen? <laughs> There's nothing like having conversations with people when they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, 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 right? Somehow I think me doing this to you doesn't make you feel very beloved. <laughs> Aren't you glad Jesus did not walk around doing this with his disciples? This is why we got a sense that Jesus always arrived. He wasn't just traveling, but always arrived. Always arrived because he lived in the belovedness of the Father and always arrived because he was present with the people he was with and through his life and actions communicated that they also were the beloved of God. Now, some of you may be saying, well, Pastor John, I don't know how to give that talk. I don't know how to. You don't have to, right? We all know the saying that the greatest sermon preached is the one that's not spoken. It's the one that's lived. We could look at the words of Jesus, and yes, obviously Jesus (laughs) said the words of God. But did you know that in all of the New Testament, we only have a total of about 45 minutes of all that Jesus said? So his words changed people but it was his life and actions. It was his life, his actions of going to the cross and showing us that we are God's beloved. He saw everyone he was with and everyone he, wi- he was with knew they had been seen by him. You get a sense that Jesus said, I see you, I see you. A sense he was always arriving and not just traveling. And church, I want to suggest that if we are disciples of Jesus's, there's probably a good chance this is how he's inviting us to walk with him every day. To walk with him, to arrive in a sense of allowing God to love us, to marinate in the reality and the fact that we are God's beloved. And then as we are with people each and every day, to be present with them, Give them a sense that you see them because there's a good chance that if they learn to feel that you see them, eventually they might also believe that God sees them and loves them as well. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that because of your life and your calling on us, we don't have to go through this life always traveling and never arriving. But because of your life, because of the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, every single day is an opportunity to arrive. To arrive and acknowledging our belovedness in you and to arrive and sharing that belovedness by being present with those we are with every day. I pray, Lord, for a supernatural outpouring of your Holy Spirit on our lives. Lord, that we, would, that we would settle into your belovedness. And Lord, that no matter how busy this life is, Lord, that when we are with people, they would get a deep sense that they have been seen. Ultimately, not just by us, but by you. That you see them and that they too are your beloved. Would you take a moment now in silent prayer? to enjoy the belovedness of the Father.
And now as we go, may we choose each day to arrive as the beloved of our Father and when we're with others. God bless you.